Hey, let's open our Bibles, John chapter 4. Let's pick up where we left off. John chapter 4. John chapter 4. We talked last week about worship and worshiping in spirit and in truth and what Jesus was talking to the woman at the well about and the living water that would satisfy the deepest parts of her and us. But then she brought up this idea about religion. That's always an interesting thing. Let's talk about religion and, and have a battle. But Jesus turned it right, right around, didn't he? He, did, he says, we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about a relationship. We're going to talk about worship. We're going to talk about having a relationship where, with God where we worship him. And, 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 and then he, he, he began to explain about worship. And, you know, that, that really is, is, is part of what, you know, of our lives as believers, that we worship God. We worship Him truly. We worship Him in spirit and in truth. We truly worship Him no matter where we are. It's not on this mountain or that mountain, He was explaining to this woman. But it's really a matter of the heart. And do you and I have a heart of worship where, where we really worship the Lord? We worship Him in spirit. We worship Him in truth. It's a spiritual thing. The Holy Spirit is involved, but it's a, it's a truth thing as well. Is it true? Or do you just say you worship? Do I just say I worship God? But it's not really true. And is it according to what the Bible teaches as truth? There's a lot of weird worship going on in this world. But a lot of it doesn't have anything to do with truth. It's just weird worship. And that's not what we're called to do. We're called to worship the Father, worship God in spirit and in truth, in keeping with the truth of His Word, the truth of who Jesus is, through Jesus our Savior. So today we kind of make this transition, though I think it's really all part of the same uh, theme of living water, of, of what is going to satisfy, what is going to make us satisfied, what is going to reach the, the deepest parts of who we are. So he goes from water, and then he talks about worship, and now he's talking about work. Interesting. Actually, before he talks about work, he talks about food. Let's talk about food. I love to talk about this. This is about as close as you're going to get, people, today. Because, you know, let's see, which one am I going to have? Which one did you bring to give me today to bring home? Hmm. I don't see any deviled eggs. Those are always good. Chicken, that's always good. You know, does anyone here like to eat? You know, part of the problem when we get really old and, and really sick, we kind of like lose, there's a problem. We, we, we lose that appetite, and that's, that's it's not, a, not a good thing. It's never a good thing, never a good sign. But, but you know, for, for those of us that feel good, we like to eat. We get hungry. We have this potluck. Sorry, today, no potluck. But how do you feel after a good meal? Satisfied. Usually satisfied. But there are times, are there not, when you, I know this is true for me, when you eat something and you can even eat a whole lot of it and you are just not satisfied. Do you ever feel that way? Because it's not what you expect. It's not what you wanted. It's, you really, I really wanted the Mexican food, you know. And now i got to eat Italian food. And you eat, you know, 100 meatballs and you're still not satisfied. You know, it's, what is it? 
What is it? We have these, we, we have these favorites, of course, but really there's, there's certain things that really satisfy. And, and really that's kind of what Jesus is talking about here in this passage that we're looking at today. What is it that's really going to satisfy you? Is it, is it just having the best Italian in Rhode Island? Is that going to hit the spot? Well, yeah, <laughs> for a little while. But is it going to really hit the spot deep within? That's the question, isn't it? That song that we sang, and, and uh, I put the words up on the screen again, he says in Psalm 90, Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love. And I love this line, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. There's something about this relationship with God and Him feeding us with His unfailing love that makes us want to sing and have gladness. It's not having some kind of a meal, though, you know, I love to eat too and I love to have certain things and it, it, there is a certain happiness about a, a great meal. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying don't ever go eat because it's wrong, it's bad or anything. But there's something about bringing us joy and bringing us gladness that comes from a relationship with the Almighty God. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love. And then, and then later he says in verse 17, May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. So there's worship and there's work. He's talking about this is a psalm. Psalm 90 is a psalm that, that Moses wrote, and, and he was talking about, you know, teach us to number our days aright. What you know, what is important in our days and our lives? And and he and he kind of came to those conclusions, I believe, at the end of the psalm. One is to to have a relationship of worship and and two to to serve, to work, to do something, to serve him. That's what we see, I think, Jesus in the passage here in John chapter 4 hitting on those two different things. So let's pick it up where we left off verse 27. Jesus had been speaking to this woman. He was still speaking to them. Verse 27, just th uh, speaking to her. Just then, his disciples returned, and they were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, why or what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Where did his disciples go that they had to return? Anybody remember? They went to get food, right? They went to stop and shop. They wanted to, you know, stock up and, and bring the food and, and, and all that. And, and don't, don't tell me you weren't at the local Cumberland Farms getting your bread and milk yesterday. I, you know, this, they were, the shelves were empty because I know you were there. That's what we do. But they came back from this trip and they were surprised to find him talking with a woman. Not only a woman, thank you, Bruce. <laughs> she was a Samaritan woman, which we found out that, you know, that the Jews and Samaritans, they didn't get along real well. And not only that, but he was talking to her in public. These are not things that, you know, were socially accepted for the Jewish people. Jesus was breaking down all kinds of barriers. He was doing all kinds of stuff that, that didn't, you know, make them happy. But it says, does, doesn't it say there, that, that they, they didn't ask him. They didn't ask her, what do you want? And they didn't ask Jesus, why are you talking to her? 
Warren Wiersbe said this, I like this. He says, maybe, maybe they were learning that Jesus knew what he was doing and didn't need their counsel. <laughs> maybe, maybe Jesus knows a little bit more than we do. I think, you know, we should probably take that to heart, huh? But God, if you would just like set it up like this and make it happen like this, then I know that it would really work out well. And he says, you know, you have no clue what you're talking about. That's where we have to sing those words. I like that new song, just the two words, I'm sorry. We talking to the Lord, I'm sorry. I have no clue what what it's all about. You know, I'm sorry, I don't know. When Peter would, you know, step in there and put his foot in his own mouth, telling Jesus, you know, this is probably what you should do here. In fact, he came to him at one point and said, you know, when Jesus was speaking about the cross, and he said, no, you really shouldn't do that. What did Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. He was being motivated by, you know, more by Satan than he was by what God wanted to do. That's one of Jesus' disciples, by the way. So anyways, moving on, verse, uh, jump down to verse 31. The, the verses in between, we've looked at the woman left and she went back to the town. And, and we'll, we're going to look at those verses again next week, speaking about what happened when the woman went back to the town and talked about uh, what was going on with this man, Jesus. Verse 31, meanwhile, his disciples urged him, that is Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. Rabbi, eat something. Now, we we already established earlier in the chapter that Jesus got tired, right? He got tired, and he had to sit down, and he he was there at this this well. Did Jesus ever get hungry? Yeah, he got hungry, too. You know, when he had the battle with the enemy, you know, he had been fasting for, for, you know, what, 40 days? And, and the enemy came, well, you're hungry now, you know, you know, if you'll just do this, I'll give you this. But notice his response to the people. What does it say in verse 32? But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Wow. I wonder if he says that to you and me. Maybe he wants to, he wants to teach us something that we have no clue about. Now, that's not a very big stretch of the imagination, is it? How often is it that, that, you know, like I've been saying already, we have no clue. But he wants to teach us something. He wants to speak to us. He wants to get in where we are and, and kind of do something that's within us. He wants to do that. He said, you, I have food that you know nothing about. It's a different kind of food. It's a different kind of food. I like, I sort of like trying different kinds of foods. How many of you like to do that? There are some people, man, no, I will only eat. And that's, you know, and make sure that it doesn't touch anything else on the plate. It's got to be here, here, the four food groups, and they they can't touch. And don't eat them together. I like just mixing them all up myself. Just put it all together and let's meet it, you know, let's do it that way. But I do like trying different foods and from different places, as long as it's not too spicy and you can't like even, you know, get it 
past your lips without burning. But Jesus said, I've got, I've got a different kind of food. I have a food to eat that you don't know anything about. Are you willing to try? Are you willing to listen? Are you willing to hear? Makes me think, and I, 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 I've got a couple of verses up on the screen for you. It makes me think, we're going to get to what Jesus was talking about in that context, but in a few other contexts here in, in the scripture, Job, you all, you all know who Job is, right? Some people call him Job. He says this, I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. That's kind of powerful. That's a powerful statement, isn't it? He's talking about this book here. He's talking about the word of God for you and me. And have we got that kind of thing where, you know what? This is more important to me than even that Italian grinder. You know, what got Job through all the trials? You know, we, we talk about the patience of Job. Well, at certain times he didn't really, wasn't quite that patient. You've got to read the whole, what is it, 42 chapters to find out everything that took place in this guy's life. He, had, he went through it all, and, 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 and you know what? What got him through? I think this is what got him through, is that that he didn't depart from what God had said and that he treasured those words. I think that's what's going to get you and I through, is, is holding on to the words that Jesus gives, that the word of God gives to you and I. And Jesus said it as well, didn't he? When he was in that battle and, and the enemy tried to get him, what did he say? He said, man does not live. He was quoting scripture in his battle with the enemy, with Satan, he said, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Yeah, we do need to eat. We, we have to eat. But, but you know, if we, if we neglect this part of this food that he has for us, the word of God, if we ne neglect it in our lives, we're going to be weak. When we face the battles, when we face those trials like Job, when we face the enemy... And we will, you can be sure that we will. Jesus defeated the enemy with the words of God, with Scripture. So for you and I to have these words. Another one I want you to turn to John chapter 6. Turn ahead two, two chapters, John chapter 6, verse 26. Seems to be a... Jesus talked about this concept... Uh, Again here, a little bit later in, this, in the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 26. You know, the, this is the context that he was referring back to the feeding of the 5,000 where they, you know, miraculously, you know, uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of people had been fed. So this is the context he's referring to here in verse 26. He said, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. And on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. 
And then they asked him, what, what must we do to do the works that God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Jesus was speaking to them and saying, you know, a lot of these people, were, they found him, they were following him, they wanted to, to, to talk to him. Later on in the chapter, you know, many leave because he told them things that were just, uh, you know, well, you know, that's too much. I'm happy to go along if I can get the blessings of getting fed, if I can get the physical blessings, and that's kind of like what we were talking about in that song earlier. You know, I'm happy if, I, if, you, if you can give me stuff, if you can give me what I want and need. But what about me, he says. Is that all you're here for, is what you can get? Don't work for the food that spoils. Work for the food that lasts. Let's go back to John chapter 4. Verse 33, then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? <laughs> These guys are just like, you know, if it wasn't serious, it would be funny. Could someone have brought him food? They're like, whoa, what's going on here? It must have been Grubhub or maybe Uber Eats or maybe Domino's. Get the door. <laughs> it's Domino's. Some of you are going to be here in that doorbell ring tonight. I already know. 640. Get your order in. Oh, boy. Could someone have brought him food? They said to each other. Jesus said, would you guys listen? The woman, the woman at the well, you know, she was talking. She thought, oh, just water, physical water. The, the disciples, they're not really much better. Oh, physical food, that's food. He says, my food, you have no idea what food I'm talking about. And look what he says, he, he explains. And I think this is the heart of, of the passage here in verse 34. He says this, my food, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Wow. That's a different kind of food, isn't it? That's not the kind of food you're going to find over at the local restaurant. But it's what you're going to find if you, if you come up to the table and, and, and listen to what God has to say to you and my that to you and me, that, that the food that he has for us that's going to bring us satisfaction, that's going to satisfy the deepest parts of us, part of that is worship, but, but part of it is here, is work, is to do what the Father wants. Notice what he says there, to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. This is what Jesus was saying. Now, you know, we can say, well, it was just Jesus, you know, and I'm going to talk about that because that's not true. But looking at Jesus as the example, if it's good enough for Jesus, I think it's good enough for you and me too. To find satisfaction is to do the will of him who sent me, to finish his work. That's true nourishment for the soul. That's, that's true sustenance. That's where true strength is going to come from, being a, having a heart to do the will of God. Do, do you and I have a heart to do the will of God? We, we may be so frustrated in this life. We may be so unfulfilled. You know, we're searching, we're trying all the different things that we can, but to have a heart to do the will of God, there's something that happens that takes place when we have that heart. 
It's true. And when we seek to finish what he's called you and I to do, isn't that what Jesus did? Did he finish his work? Yeah, he did. In fact, he said it, didn't he? I'll put it on the screen later, but he said those words. It is finished. But does that, does that apply what Jesus saying, was saying only to him? No, of course not. There, there's something about what, what, you know, what God has called each and every one of us to do. There's something about it that will bring us that nourishment. Look what he says in verse 35. He goes to a kind of a different picture here. He says, do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes. And look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Who's he talking to there? He's talking about himself. He says, you know, my food is to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. And then he turns right around to them and says, don't you say, open your eyes. I want you to look at the field. I want you to open your eyes and see what it is that, you know, is going on in your life. This is not just for me. Jesus, but it's for all of us. It's for you, disciples. It's for you and I here today, disciples, followers of Jesus. This saying they had, you know, there was four months more. You know, it's kind of like the, what he's saying here is, you know, it's four months more. You got plenty of time. Don't worry. Don't hurry. But he says, okay, that's what we say. But he's saying, no. The, the time is now. We, we need to open our eyes now. We say, well, you know, I'm really busy, you know, in my life right now. And, and, and you know, I, I, I'll be ready to do what you want me to do when I finish what I want to do. Maybe in four months I'll get busy. But that's not what he's saying here, is it? What's he saying? He says, even now. He says it twice in verse 36. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. He's telling you, you and I, we need to open our eyes. We've got to open our eyes. There's a harvest all around us. There's stuff that God wants, this, wants, wants us to do all around us. It's not just being a missionary, though being a missionary is good. It's not just being, you know, full-time ministry as a pastor or some kind of a church leader, though those are good things. You and I, each one of us are called to full-time ministry. I believe that. It's just, it's just we're in different locations and different ways and means. And I think he wants us to open our eyes. I mean, he tells me that, he, he tells me that often, you know, thinking about just some of my neighbors. Open your eyes. They're like right there. Do you even care about them? Do you, do you pray for them? Do you, do you stop and visit them? Do you talk to them? I get challenged by that. If you knew my neighbors, man, he says, even now. What did Jesus say to his disciples later on? He said, the harvest is what? Plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. He says, okay, pray. At least, at least you can do is pray. Well, I can't go somewhere, but I can pray. Maybe I can't get to that neighbor, but I can pray for him or for, for them, right? What is God calling you and I to do? We've got to open our eyes. 
we've got to open our eyes to the fact that there are people all around us that their, their eternal destiny hangs in the balance. I'm not just saying that just to be alarmist. It's just the truth that people that, that are all around us that don't know Jesus as Savior, they have no hope. It talks in Ephesians about without God and without hope in the world. You and I, we need to open our eyes to those people around us and start and begin by praying for them. How about your lost family members? Begin to pray for them. You know, I, I realized this, you know, I need to, I need to pray. I've, you know, I, I, I come from a family of, of siblings of, there's, there was nine of us. One died just after birth. And so that made eight. And right now there's still, there's only four left. But to pray for those ones that are left, and, and you know what, it's a mess. It's a mess. That's all I can tell you right now. But I need to pray for them. And then, and then, I, and then I see these little, these little lights that shine like, wow. You know, when, when, when one of them sends me a text and says, you know what, what I'm doing just isn't, it just isn't happening. I'm so unhappy. And guess what I tell them? Jesus. That's what I tell them. Jesus is the one. I've been trying to tell you, Jesus in my life is the only thing that has worked, is the only hope that, that I have is Jesus. I don't preach. Sometimes they think I do, but I don't. Sit down, I want to give you a message. Just try to love them and, and tell them about Jesus. We've got to open our eyes. Verse 36, I just read it. We see that there's a reaper, there's a sower. Look at verse 30, uh, that was verse 36, excuse me. Verse 37 says this, thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. One sows and another reaps is true. And that kind of speaks, doesn't it, about the fact that we're all different. And each of us has a different part. And we, we, need to, we need to find out what our part is. What is my part in this world? What is my part in the, in the kingdom of God? What is, what is my role? And you know what? I can guarantee you this. If you never ask, guess what? Never know. Sometimes I think we don't ask because we're, because we, we're either afraid, we have fear, or because we just don't want to. We're afraid that he might tell us, and then I'm going to have to tell him, no, I don't want to anyways. So why bother asking? If you don't want to do it anyways, why bother ask, right? But you know what? We don't, we don't, we don't do it all. None of us do it all. We each have a part to play. We each have a, a different role to play. 1 Corinthians, Paul says, you know, the man who plants... The man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. But in the end, he makes it clear that, you know, it's God that brings the increase. God, God is the one who makes things grow. We, we do our little part, but, but, it, but it all boils down to what, what he does with it. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So when we try to do anything without him, we're, we're, we've already lost I sent you to reap what you have 
not worked for, verse 38. Others have done the hard work, and you reap the benefits of their labor. He's speaking to his disciples there, and he says, you know what, you, you've got to do your job, you've got to do your part, but there were people that came before you. There were a whole line of prophets. There was John the Baptist that came before you. And it made me think about, you know, even what you and I are called to do, you know, we don't have to reinvent anything. We don't have to, you know, come up with some brand new idea. We just need to be faithful and do what God's called us to do. But know this, that there were people that were before us. And know this as well, there are going to be people after you, after me. So even what we're doing now, we may not see any fruit come of it. Somebody else may come along and reap the fruit of of what you and I have done. But we still need to be about the Father's business now, doing what we can do. So I've got a few scriptures I want to put up on the screen as we close and get ready for the potluck that we're not going to have. (laughs) Jesus said this to work while we can. He said, as long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. But I want you to notice this. Let's see that we. As long as it is is. As it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. You and I are, again, we just kind of join together with what Jesus is doing. That's all we do. We kind of try to find his way and go his way. But, you know, we we only have so much time. We only have so much time. And that Psalm 90, 70 years or 80, if we have the strength, but, you know, and you, you may live a little bit longer than that, but you know what? Our days are numbered. How much time do you have? I don't know. How much time do I have? I don't know. So let's be busy. Let's work while we can. The second one, it brings God glory. Jesus said, I I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. Don't you love that? I have brought you glory. You want to bring glory to God? Well, do what he has asked you to do. Bring it to completion. Finish something. That's, you know, that's hard for us. You know, I procrastinate. I get distracted. We never finish. Finish something. Bring it to completion. I want to bring God glory. I want to bring God glory. How about this one? It's not always easy. Going a little farther, he, that is, Jesus fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. There's a couple things in that. One, you know, Jesus was saying, if if there's any other way that, that we can do this, can we do this a different way? And he said, no, there is no other way. He's speaking about the cross, right? He's speaking about the cross. But again, what are you speaking about here in John 4 about, you know, my work is to do the will of him who sent me. He says it in that verse there, Matthew. Yet not as I will, but as you will. To have that heart, that's, that's where we're going to find peace. That's where we're going to find, you know, sustenance and nourishment. To have the heart 
to do God's will. But it's not always going to be easy. It wasn't easy for Jesus. Now, you and I don't have to go to a cross. We don't have to die on a cross. But it may be difficult what we've been called to do. But, but I, you know, thinking about this, reading in different uh, devotionals and things, you know, that the sorrows and the troubles and the, the, the things that we go through in this life, God uses them to make us fruitful. He uses them to, to teach us, comfort us, that we might be able to comfort and help other people. Doesn't mean that it's easy, but, but it's, just, it's just how he does it. Don't give up. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Uh, I don't know about you, but I want to give up sometimes. You ever want to give up? I'm tired of this. I just, there's nothing coming. There's no, you know, no fruit coming out of it. I just want to give up. I just want to just forget about it. But you may be just around the corner from, from seeing something good come from it. Don't give up. And the last one, this. The cross. Oops. The cross. When Jesus had received the drink... Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Now, that's a whole thing in itself, what he did for us. He died on the cross for our sins. He, he paid our price. He finished what God sent him to do from day one. But in this, for, for you and I, I think there, there's something about this is that, is that it's not over. Until we're done. We've got something to do. We can't, we can't leave until we're done. After he said it was finished, it says he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. It was over. It was done. He finished what he was supposed to do. You and I have a calling and a purpose and a plan for our lives. And he wants us to do that. You know, you know sometimes, you know, like Elijah prayed, you know, oh, just take me home. I want to go home. And, and what did God say? Uh, no, I don't think so. I've, got, I've, still got, I've still got more for you to do. I, you, know, you know, two years ago almost, you know, I, I could have went home. But he said no. And it's just clear to me in my life, in my heart. I have more for you to do. Now, I don't know how long that's going to be. But, but right now, I just want to be faithful to do what he's called me to do. I, I, I need to. And when it's all done, when it's all done, and it's time to go home. There was a missionary, his name is C.T. Studd, and <clears throat> he, he wrote these words, and many of you have heard them. He said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. A lot of the stuff that we do are just a waste of time. Are we doing anything? Are we doing anything at all in our lives for Christ? That's really the only thing that's going to last the rest, wood, hay, and stubble is just going to burn up anyways. And this last quote, Warren Wiersbe, he says this, The will of God ought to be a source of strength and satisfaction to the child of God, just as if he sat down to a sumptuous feast. Jesus views his work as the very nourishment of his soul. 
doing the Father's will, fed him and satisfied him immensely. That's for us. That's for me. That's for you. To have a heart to do the will of God and to finish his work, to whatever it is that he's called you and I to do. Amen? Amen. And let's pray. Let's bow our hearts before the creator, the one that we want to bring glory to, the one that we want to serve. Yes, we worship you, Father, but we want to serve you as well. We worship you, but we know that you have work for us to do. And we do get tired, and we do have no clue sometimes what it's all about. But I pray you would open our eyes so that we could see what you have for us. That you would unleash this group of people here today as an army. Each one of us doing a part. Some sowing seeds, some reaping, some working the ground. But what is it that you've called us to do, Lord? What have you put into my heart? In each one of our hearts. What is it, what is it that special thing, that unique calling that you have for us? Don't be afraid to ask him. Because you know what? That's where, that's where joy comes. That's where gladness comes, where our hearts are right before him and we only want to do his will and not our own. Where we sacrifice, we, we, we substitute our will for his will. And we find joy and peace in the power of the Holy Spirit to help us. Father, we surrender to you. We surrender to you. Work in us, Lord. Father, I want to pray too this morning for any who maybe never received Jesus as Savior. Maybe that's you today. You're here or you're listening. You can give your heart to him today. That's, where, that's the only hope you, you will find is this Jesus. Just open your heart and simply say these words, Jesus, please forgive me. Come into my life. I need you. Lord, I need you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, shall we?